Greetings, Minecrafters, and uh, welcome to another discussion today, which I hope interests and intrigues you. Also, to push further and look, you know, look for some more on whatever topic that we talk about. So, my name is Kimberly Quinn, and I am really excited today to discuss sort of the concept of emotional professionalism. You know, and when we think about what it means to be professional, right, we might think of dressing a certain way, uh, carrying ourselves a certain way, being punctual, being respectful, raising your hand in meetings, but not too much as a window for that. Even if you think, you know, you know, something else you want to add, it's like, oh, I've already had my hand up twice. There's all kinds of little kind of silent rules that nobody ever really teaches you. They're coming from some handbook that doesn't exist, right? And then in that handbook that doesn't exist, it seems that there's also some kind of clause in there, some kind of, you know, written something that's in the invisible book that says that if we, you know, allow ourselves to be emotional and, you know, vulnerable, let's just say emotionally vulnerable, you know, the that which makes us human, that if we do this in the professional setting, work environment, that somehow this is a big, huge no-no you know, and that it makes us look weak or, you know, it's inappropriate or, you know, just lots of, you know, roadblocks in the way preventing us from bringing our human selves into the professional workplace. And just to be clear, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, a, a super inappropriate overshare or, um, you know, being you know, sort of out of sorts or angry about something and then sitting there, you know, with arms folded and, you know, answering people with, you know, one word responses, clearly pissed off, but trying to hold it together because you're in a professional situation. Um, and we want you to hold it together in that situation, though. What we're talking about is is not the extreme man. We're talking about being human and, and when stuff is going on. So when when somebody walks up to you and they do the typical, how are you? Much of the time, people don't even care. It's just kind of like our, you know, the social norms, just like we wear certain things, we say certain things. And not that they don't care in a bat, not that they're a horrible person. We often say, how are you? Like, just like we say hello. And then we often respond with the automatic thing of fine, you know, fine. None of it means anything, right? It's just social norms. But maybe instead of that, if you're really not fine, you can say, you know what, actually, I'm kind of struggling today, you know, but thank you for asking. And, you know, another thing that I think we're afraid, you know, and I'm here, I keep hearing myself say the word fear. And I'm realizing in some of the last episodes, this word fear is coming up because it's such a driving force for our behavior, especially avoidant behavior. You know, we, we are prevented from behaving in certain ways because of fear. So here we have that yet again. And fear also prevents us in the professional environment from saying, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. And I know as a professor, I say this to my students and if I don't know something that, which, which de definitely happens, sometimes they'll ask me, especially in cognitive psych, because it's just more science-y or I don't know, but they're, they have, they come up with really good questions and sometimes they research stuff that's just out of the range. It, it's related to the topic we're talking about, but it's, you know, kind of little, you know, pushed out a bit. And sometimes I know, and oftentimes I know, sometimes I don't know. And rather than, you know, kind of tap dance around it, 
I just say, I don't know. And what a really good question, you know, praising them for, you know, asking a really good question, challenging not only themselves and their classmates, but challenging me. Great. And my answer is usually in addition to, I don't know, I really want to look that up because that sounds exciting. Or do you have more information on, or can you send me the article you read or, or whatever? Because to me, that's modeling healthy human grown-up behavior. You know, no one knows everything. You may as well just say, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, but, but except in the workplace, we're afraid to because it makes us look weak or, you know, we're not competent enough to get to get the you know job done or whatever. When in reality, it's just, that's how it is. We don't know it all. Another thing I think we're afraid, hear the word afraid again, fear. We're often afraid to say, you know, I need help. And that can be with a project or something. And same thing. Oh, God forbid, we don't know how to do it all. Or we need to ask two or three of our colleagues to help. But that means, oh, wow, they just gave me a promotion. Maybe they made a, made, maybe they made a mistake. It should have been somebody else. If I ask for help, when I just got the promotion, you know, this morning or yesterday, that's going to send off all kinds of, you know, flags to people. No. And I know from my experiences and experience I've, experiences that I've witnessed, you know, just being in the room, People are generally really, really good and really wanting to help. And if there's something, you know, a skill set they've got or knowledge base that they've got that you don't, then they're usually quite happy to be useful. People like to be useful. We all have a need to be needed. And that just, to me, that's a win-win. And if you've got like, a, uh, if you've got a project team or something, obviously four or five or seven people working on that same project, you're all going to have different skill sets. Like I've mentioned quite a few times before, <laughs> at Champlain, they're certainly aware because I voice it. There are, you know, there are things that excite us. And for me, it's like creativity and genuine engagement with people. I'm also a big sky person. They often come to me for, for like big creative ideas. And I'm good at all that. Don't come at me with a job that involves details because it's going to take me probably 15 times longer than somebody else. Something that involves all kinds of fine tuning with numbers and things like that. And not that I can't do it. Maybe I can't do it. But even if I can do it, it's going to take me, you know, a gazillion times longer than somebody who has that skill set. So what a great combination of to have different people with different skill sets and knowledge bases. And, you know, they're not going to know if you don't just say it. This This excites me. Details drain the heck out of me. Can we get a work study student to do it, please? Because what a waste of my life minutes that is because it's just so freaking challenging, right? Another thing that we often have difficulty saying is I'm overwhelmed. Okay, well, another God forbid we don't feel in control of our life circumstances. And maybe it's not a super huge. Maybe it's I don't feel in control today. Or maybe I haven't felt in control for all week. Or maybe I haven't felt in control maybe of my work life for a month. Maybe especially with the great resignation going on, maybe three or four people, you know, resigned that are, that affected you because now they're not there and you're doing more than you were before for the same money and within the same time frame supposedly. And it's just too much. It's just plain and simply too much. Why can't we say that? Same thing, fear, fear of being perceived as weak, incompetent, unable to do whatever, uh, that I won't be put up for a promotion because if I can't handle this, they're certainly not going to give me, you know, a promotion and a raise because that wouldn't that make sense, you know? And we and we just it's just too much. It, and it, it, I think it's bothersome really that we are 
getting messages from so many angles to not bring, to hold back our emotional self, our very human self from the workplace. Another thing, which is similar to the help one is, you know, please, can I have some guidance and direction? I feel like I'm almost there, but I'm unclear about this, this, and that. I mean, really? Just, just ask. So, you know, all this underlying fear from the invisible book of professionalism that right where all the invisible rules are listed one after the other, you know, adherence to these invisible rules in the invisible book is why, why we tend to remove our emotional selves from our work selves. And obviously we can't separate human being. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. We can't really separate anything. We're not split into pieces. You know, we can't just take ourselves apart like Legos. We're one person just in, in different contexts throughout the day. And so in addition to the, you know, the shutting off the emotional part of us, which is attached to the vulnerable, vulnerable part of us, right? We are prevented from allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. You know, it, it, you know, let's say we're fogged over at work and, you know, to just say, you know what, guys, I just have to tell you, even if it's not all the details, if you're more of a private person, totally fine to say, you know what, I, we, my partner and I are really struggling with our teenager right now. And we, she's really having a tough time. She's gotten into some behaviors that are really uh, challenging us and, 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 and risky. And we've tried, we've tried everything. We've got a, maybe a supportive family. We've just tried it all. We've gotten her on a list for the counseling center, but it's, she has about six more, six weeks to wait. And we, and honestly, uh, uh, it's keeping us up at night. It's keeping us up at night. We're good people. We're doing the best we can and it's not enough. And I don't know what to do. I mean, what parent out there who's had teenagers wouldn't just wrap around that person, but they're not, you know, we're not mind readers. So if you're just fogged over, how do we know what it is? And I think it's just so advantageous. And I didn't even give a lot of details there, right? It's just teenager having a really tough time. You can read between the lines whatever, but it, and then, and then there's support. People again are so willing to wrap around, you know, we're willing to wrap around each other, but it's, in my opinion, it helps to know when someone is struggling. And even if, even if you don't share everything, that person can maybe treat you to lunch that day, you know, come by and drop a few truffles on your desk, just offer um, a listening ear later. If you want to call, cause maybe it's, you know, uh, too much in the work environment for you. And, uh, you know, when people, know, once people are made aware of the humanness, oh my God, there's so much strength. So much strength is brought to the table when, when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, even in the professional environment. And of course, the opposite of being your authentic self, which is what we're doing when we allow our emotional selves and allow ourselves to be vulnerable at work, when we allow this, the opposite of that, when we get when fear wins temporarily, right? Fear leads to fake mode and we get, we get locked into lying. And then we maybe rationalize, but say, we're not really lying because it's at work. And I can't say this stuff at work. Lying's lying. If it's not true, it's not true. I mean, it's just how it is. Um, and when we, when we get into that rationalizing part, then we end up feeling worse about ourselves because we're rationalizing um, how we, how we, how we, we don't feel good about ourselves underneath because we know we're not being authentic even if we're not conscious of it in that minute. So you're hooked into lying, hooked into smoothing things over with distraction, which is also still a form of deception. And, or, you know, or, and then just shifting full throttle into fake mode, having that perma smile on your face, talking, switching, you know, the distraction stuff into, oh, how about those Yankees, even though I'm a big fan, um, just to just be avoidant 
And we, when we do that, when we're in fake mode, it's remember that's the ego, all that falsity is the ego self driven by fear because the uh, fear and guilt and all that are just high octane fuel for the ego, which is a polar opposite, the evil twin of our highest vibe selves. And we can't last that long in that mode, at least in not being and not be happy, just we can't. You know, and here's the skinny on the street. Your emotions are going to leak out anyway. <laughs> just, we can't hold that stuff in for very long. And especially, it's especially true, they can all leak out of your pores, right? But anger has a way of leaking out just every kind of way from every pore, every orifice. And because we just, and it has a job. It's, I've been mistreated, violated, somebody stepped in my turf. We're not saying that the, or I'm not saying that the anger is not legit. Somebody might have pulled a fast one at work and, you know, said whatever to whoever to slide in for that promotion. Who knows? It could be all to- totally legitimate why you're angry. But if you don't voice it, I'm not saying necessarily, you know, or not necessarily who to voice it to, but to share confident- confidentially maybe how you're feeling about said sneaky person who did whatever. If you don't do that, it's going to leak out at the water cooler. It's going to we- leak out someplace. We call that passive aggressive. That's when you just do things <laughs> that are, you know, subtly expressing how you feel. And again, it doesn't have to be anger. It can be other things. I think it's just more evident when the person is feeling anger because it will come out. Anger doesn't contain very well. So here are my parting words. is just be authentic. It's just when somebody, when somebody is truly being authentic, you are you exactly as you are, regardless of the context. Regardless of the context, you are being you. And the other thing is just like anything else can be contagious, right? Positivity is contagious. Negativity is contagious too. Authenticity has a way of also being contagious because it reveals itself. And we, when, we res- when we are able to confidently tell our story exactly how it is without knowing what the outcome is going to be from, from the audience, right? Whatever, wherever the audience is at work or whatever, allowing ourselves to be vulnerable in that way takes courage and it also is just so strong. And when we role model that, not maybe that that's our goal, we're just being us, right? But inadvertently role modeling that for, for colleagues, it kind of gives other people permission, and for lack of a better word, to be able to also be authentic. So, you know, you're vulnerable and you say, I'm having trouble with this teenager. Or, you know, we just moved and don't know anybody or we just had a death in the family and he was he was the most important cousin of it whatever then we we role model that or i'm just struggling or the or the or the uh, truth is you know what i've struggled with anxiety my whole life and i've had it i really was feeling good you know i really had developed some strategies and i've been doing so well and all of a sudden i don't know what's going on but i feel like i've tanked out again you know and then you get like that's so common you probably get four other people say oh my god i know what you mean me too you know when we do this, in my opinion, it makes for a more real, authentic workplace environment, which is inviting, loving, kind, accepting. And when all this is the case for employees, here's the news on the street. They're going to be way more productive because they're happy. They're happy and they feel emotionally safe. All right. So that's it. Bring your emotional selves to work with you. Be emotionally professional. This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful and authentic day.